Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. And uh, while well, Jim, the Twins uh, playing this afternoon, we're talking right as they're just getting underway uh, against the Tampa Rays. And whether they win or lose today's game, not going to make that much of a difference on their, their playoff chances, I wouldn't think. A seven and a half game lead with, what, about 17 or 18 games to play. It is a team headed for the postseason, it appears. Is there things they might do roster-wise or uh, innings-wise or pitch count-wise to kind of have guys rested and ready if they can for the playoffs? Um, so it's a good question. Um, first of all, I- I'm not sure people realize just how certain a thing it is. Yeah. The Twins are going to make playoffs. ESPN, before today's game, had a 99.7% chance of making the playoffs. So it's... <laughs> You know, it's not really, it would be like the miracle of miracles for them to not win this division. So, yes, the real questions are, and I wrote about it the other day, the real questions are how do they set up for the postseason? Mm-hmm. Right now, they're hitting, you know, as well as they have all year. They've been one of the better offensive teams in baseball, second half of the season. Uh, they have Lopez, Gray, and Ryan lined up for a three game, a potential three game playoff series at home uh, with, with, you know, Lopez and Ryan and, and Gray being two of the best pitchers in baseball. So, a lot of things have fallen into place. Theron has started pitching better lately. Not that he was terrible when he was, wasn't at his best, but he seems to be past that little lull. The real question is, they got a bunch of bullpen arms, and they got guys at AAA who might help. And they just brought Louis Varland as a former starter. He's throwing lights out as a reliever. The real question is, who are you know, other than Fieldbar, who pitches in the seventh and eighth innings? Need yeah. somebody to do that, or I guess the sixth if one of your starters just disappoints you. And Varlin might be the answer. He's as a short reliever. He's throwing 99 with a nasty 90 mile an hour cutter. He breezed through one of the best lineups in baseball yesterday. Uh, he looks confident. He's got the bulldog mentality. His stuff plays better when he isn't goes out there throwing hard instead of trying to manage his innings. Uh, then you have Brock Stewart, who is just threw like 25 pitches the other day. He might be not be far away. Chris Paddock is begging to be on the postseason roster. I mean, they're going to have a bunch of really interesting decisions to make who pitches those late innings. And right now, I would say Varland, other than Thielbar, who's done a very good job and is their best lefty, I would say that Varland has as good a chance as anybody of being one of their late, late inning guys. He has looked terrific, and we do see that in the modern age uh, of baseball. We've probably seen it uh, throughout time in baseball. A guy goes from being a starting pitcher uh, into the bullpen, and their stuff ticks up because they're not trying to pitch six or seven innings. They're trying to get that inning uh, under or uh, out of the way, and the best way to do that is to max effort it, and we see that quite a bit, but Varlin's stuff really jumped up in velocity. It does, and, and there are so many reasons. Part of it is you're trying to guide yourself through what you hope will be a six or seven inning outing so you're conserving a little bit part of it is if you're a starter you feel like you need to have you need to show more than two pitches to keep people up out you know i think barland as a reliever should be a two-pitch pitcher you know mm-hmm. and the best reliever in baseball history was a one-pitch pitcher mariano rivera threw a cut fastball and nothing else um you can do that as a reliever so i don't know barland looks great uh stewart has the second best stuff on the staff if they get him back he could be dynamic uh He's like really the best right-hander they have right now. Statistically, it's probably Pagan, and nobody really feels comfortable seeing him in a playoff game, yeah. uh, at least a close playoff game. So, you know, if Arland and Stewart could be those guys along with Fieldbar, that, 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 them, Duran, and a couple of starters might be all you need to win the, the first playoff series. 
Yeah, you, that's right. Your your column from uh, yesterday morning did talk about uh, Lopez and Gray at the top of the rotation and how that gives the Twins a legit one-two punch in the playoffs for the first time uh, in a while. Uh, also, some interesting comments Lopez made about Gray and how he is as a teammate and some things he learns. Yeah, Lopez is a really good guy, um, very open to coaching and ideas, and he said that, you know, Growing up, being a big baseball fan, not all baseball players are baseball fans, by the way. Yeah. Some people don't watch anything but the only game, but the games they play in. Mm. Uh, Lopez was a student of the game. He was a fan. He paid attention to what Sonny Gray did in his early career. You know how smart a pitcher he is, how many how he mixes his pitches, and he said that he's made a point of going out and watching Sonny Gray throw his bullpen, which is what you know their session between starts where they work on very specific game related stuff. And he said that he learned a lot about the way Sonny uses that time, the way he game plans, the way he really hones in on what pitches he might need in that next start. Um, and, it was, yeah, it was pretty interesting for him. And, and it was really interesting to hear him talk about it. He's, you know, he's raving about somebody, and Paolo has been as good as anybody lately. He sure has, in particular in his last start. Uh, at the beginning of this, as I began asking you if they might treat some of their guys a little differently down the stretch, the reason that came to my mind was Sonny Gray going four innings. Now, I know he struggled with his control and so forth, but he was only at 89 pitches. Do you think that was part of, he's struggling a bit, it's it's going to maybe hit 100 if we throw him out there for the fifth. Let's just give him that extra inning off as we prepare him to, you know, pitch in the postseason. I, I don't think so. Okay. I, I talked to Falvey and Baldelli the other day, and I said, hey, are you... Are you with the, the math, what it is, are you edging at all toward managing these games as if you're you're uh, thinking about the postseason and said, no, we're just not going to think that way. Okay. Win the division. then, then And you know what? If they do their job, they'll win the division with like a week left to go. That's time to set up your rotation. Frankly, if it out, the rotation's already set up that Lopez and Gray and Ryan would pitch in the first three games. They won't even have to manipulate the rotation to get that to happen. So they said, no, we just have to not think that way and just win. I think it's more um, big picture. You know, why have Sonny Gray go wear himself out and he was averaging 23 pitches an inning. So yeah. if you send him out for the next inning with 89 pitches, that's 112 innings. That, that might be 112 pitches for him to get through the fifth inning of a game that, you know, and what's the, what's the point of that at this season? Right. Why burn out one of your best pitchers, whether you're thinking about next week or October? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, the Aaron Rodgers goes down a, a day now for all the talking heads to wag about it, and I keep hearing Kirk Cousins' name being mentioned as, uh, as somebody that the Jets might pursue via trade. Uh, it sounds ridiculous that the Vikings would trade Cousins, but it's interesting that he's in the national media being talked about and various things I was listening and watching yesterday about a possible trade target for the Jets. Yeah, and this is just... You know, this is just the rumor mill at its worst. Yeah. Worst. Um, you know, listen, I can I I can't tell you 100 percent that they won't trade Kirk Cousins. I can't tell you 100 percent they won't trade Justin Jefferson. But we know they're not going to trade Kirk Cousins, and we know they're not going to trade Justin Jefferson. You right. know, there's things you know, um, and, and this is what the national media does sometimes, especially in regard to smaller markets. And Minneapolis St. Paul is not a small market; it's a medium-sized market. It's bigger than a lot of big market, markets that people consider big markets, but it's just considered flyover country by the people in New York and Los Angeles. Mm. So they think, oh, why wouldn't the Minnesota Vikings be a farm team for a New York team? Mm. Because that's not the way it works in the NFL. Every team in the NFL can win. Green Bay has just as much chance to win as the New York Jets or New York Giants. The Vikings are all in on the season. They don't have a backup quarterback. 
They're not going to just throw away a season after one game. Uh, it's just it's just the silliest nonsense. And because it's national media and people will watch it whether it's true or not, it, they don't pay any price throwing this garbage out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But let's let's further this scenario a little bit down the road a few weeks. Uh, let's say the Vikings struggle. They have a wicked early season schedule. Uh, looking at it, it's possible seven games in they could be 2-5 and five if they lose to the teams that they're underdogs against and beat the ones they're favored. Uh, they, they could be 2-5 and five after that loss this last week. Is it possible at that point? I don't think so because uh, looking at their schedule, yes, this was always going to be a difficult early season, and the Bucks, yep. see, the, the Bucks loss does make it look uh, even worse. There's also a stretch in the middle of the season, after, I think after they play the 49ers, where they could win five or six in a row. Yep. And they could you know, beat up their division opponents, and they have the last three games of the season are two against Detroit and one against Green Bay at home. Um, so they're really not going to be out of playoff contention for a long time, yeah. even if they play poorly. Yeah, that's and right. I, I just think if you know the Wilfs, you know how much they want to win, you know how much O'Connell wants to win right now, um, they, and, and think of it this way. This is one thing that the national head talking heads never think about because they don't care about middle of America. Right. Um, so you just fail to get a deal done with Justin Jefferson going into a season, right? You trade his only quarterback midseason. Aren't you telling Justin Jefferson that he doesn't want to be here? Yeah, and that we're rebuilding. That would, yep. that's, that's what I would say. And why would Justin Jefferson sign a long-term deal here if you take away the quarterback he likes don't have a replacement for him, and basically say, hey, we're going to either go get a retread or, or a, a rookie, and you're going to have to play with that guy next year in the middle in your prime of your career. There'd be no dumber move the Vikings could make. Yeah. Uh, Jim, thanks. That's why we talked to you. You can talk me off the ledge <laughs> on some of this stuff. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Talk to you tomorrow. Great. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5, Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.